Hello, it's great to have your company again. Welcome to another instalment of MLEX's podcast, covering the top stories in regulatory affairs with the assistance of our team of reporters around the globe. Today, a special edition of the program to mark the publication of a significant special report. It's our profile of Kazuyuki Furuya, the chairman of the Japan Fair Trade Commission. Our Tokyo correspondents Sachiko Sakamaki and Toko Sekiguchi were able to spend several hours with the chairman, and they covered a lot of ground, as is evidenced by the contents of the special report, which you can download now from the MLEX website. And it's a must-read for anyone with an interest in some of the hot topics that our Japan team has been covering of late. Toko and Sachiko asked Furuya about his personal history, his views on the role of the antitrust regulator in grappling with soaring inflation and population decline, as well as the very Japanese concern over the abuse of superior bargaining position and fears that small to medium enterprises are being unfairly burdened by growing costs. There's so much to talk about, and luckily for us, Toko and Sachiko have joined me now from Tokyo. Toko, firstly, you mention in the profile story that Furuya comes from a long career in the finance ministry. Uh, can you tell me a little more about that and anything in his background that might give us an idea about, firstly, who he is, but also what kind of an impact he's had in his role as chief of competition? Sure, James. Um, Furuya's father was a judge. But instead of following in his father's footsteps to become a judge, he decided to join the Ministry of Finance, which is a very elite uh, agency in the Japanese government. Um, he was there from 1978 to 2012, so that's 35 years. Uh, he was mostly in the taxes department and also the budget department. He then went on to the cabinet secretariat, where he assisted the cabinet chief secretary. Um, now, the cabinet chief secretary is the right-hand man of the prime minister, so that's a pretty very senior uh, cabinet position. And Huya was sort of a gatekeeper to the prime minister's office from 2013 to 2020, which is an unusually long time for an official to hold that position. Um, he held the assistant cabinet sec- chief secretary position almost throughout the entire span of the late uh, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's uh, administration. And um, Furuya's proximity to power, be it the secretary to a very famous finance minister who actually used to be the prime minister before he reheld that position, Kiichi Miyazawa, or to uh, Abe and his right-hand man, that gave him sort of the consensus building skills, which is super important in uh, in Japan's bureaucracy of coordinating among agencies and politicians and lawmakers. And so that he spent so many years uh, being doing that both in the finance ministry and the cabinet secretariat makes him a very well-positioned policy sort of driver for the JFTC. And he's also maintained a very clear focus on the policy objectives and not just in the operation of the Anti-Monopoly Act, but how it fits into the larger picture of Japan's economy. Okay, so we've got a sense of who the person is. Uh, Sachiko, let me bring you into the conversation and and suggest uh, that we get into the, the policy aspects because just like other advanced 
economies. Japan is now facing uh, challenges on a wide range of fronts. There's creeping inflation, there are stagnant wages,、uh, there's the ongoing population decline, which is a, a big deal in Japan. So, how does Furuya want to use competition policy to address these issues? Thank you, James. Japan Fair Trade Commission has a unique role to play in this current economic condition, which is rather unusual,、um, which is to help、uh, small and medium enterprises to pass on cost increases to stronger trading partners who sometimes resist、uh, such price increases by sometimes、uh, abusing its stronger bargaining position. And、uh, so, indirectly,、uh, JFDC is kind of assisting a price pass on, which could indirectly increase consumer prices. And、uh, Furuya told us it's important to address unfair trade practices in vertical supply chain. And of course, he's aware of the importance and the risks of、uh, cartels when uh, in these uh, inflationary uh, stages. So,、uh, therefore, Uh, antitrust lawyers has rather complex message to give to their corporate clients now, because on the one hand, companies have to be、uh, kind of willing、uh, listener when a smaller supply chain comes to them and asks for price increases.、Uh, then they need to find a kind of agreeable price level so that. Uh, this company won't be seen as abusing its superior bargaining position. But on the other hand, of course, companies should not talk with rivals、uh, for price increase in concerted manner, for example, to avoid a cartel. So they are in a kind of、uh, difficult position. And、uh, Sachiko, we understand that、uh, Furuya has been trying to beef up the JFTC's. Regime to increase、uh, capacity to address digital challenges, which is a a big issue not just in Japan but around the world, and also unfair trade practices、uh, and and issues relating to that to that、uh, a specific concept. What exactly does he want the JFTC to do, and and what does he want to accomplish? By expanding the JFTC. Yes,、um, actually,、uh, under Furuya's leadership, JFTC is requesting a, a staff increase by、uh, 68 people, which is a huge increase, unheard of in recent history.、Um, the current、uh, staff number、uh, at the JFTC is about 850, and、uh, we asked, what does he want to do with increased number of staff and He said he wants to, of course,、uh, dedicate uh, uh, people to address unfair trade practices, and in particular,、uh, JFTs has been very active to regulate exploitative abuse called abuse of superior bargaining position. So this is going to be uh, uh, one of the main、um, policies, and uh, this uh, is linked with、uh, protection of small and medium-sized enterprises. Which is very much favored by Japanese politicians and、uh, policymakers in terms of economic measures in the、uh, current critical condition.、Uh, therefore, this、uh, regulating abuse of a superior bargaining position has becoming an important part of、uh, JFT's roles nowadays. And this is, in terms of、uh, international context, this is an interesting situation because. 
USFTC is trying to revive the power to regulate unfair trade practices, and Japan has been doing that for generations, but now it has a, a bigger importance in its uh, task. Uh, during the interview, he you know, reviewed us a kind of small scoop. Korea wants to go back and check whether the uh, commitment remedies are actually implemented. So this is a stronger uh, step uh, which hasn't taken before by the JFTC. So Furuya is trying to use existing tools to secure the effectiveness of its enforcement. And uh, Toko, um, also reading the special report, I understand that Furuya said that he was looking to shift the JFTC's relationship with the courts, which raises the question, what's he referring to there? I mean, what what has been wrong with his relationship with the courts uh, so far and how does he want to reset that relationship? So the JFTC's traditional relationship with courts is that the JFTC would hand down an order or a decision and the companies might appeal in the high courts, but normally the judges have largely supported the JFTC's decision. And uh, things have changed, both structurally and issues that are being fought in the courts. So the commission recently got rid of a 70-year-old system where the JFTC was essentially both judge and executioner through the system of administrative hearings. Um, what that means is that if the J- or when the JFTC issues uh, a sanctions order or a cease and desist order, the companies would first have to go through the JFTC's own administrative hearings, which could take years uh, before they get a final decision. And if they still want to appeal that, then they went to the courts. And so with that gone, companies have uh, easier and quicker access to the courts to challenge orders and decisions by the JFTC. There's also the matter of the issues on hand these days. Uh, There's uh, actually one current case in the courts over the antitrust issues of algorithms, uh, where the companies actually went went straight to the courts without the involvement of the JFTC. Well, let's expand uh, on that a little bit. I mean, we've talked about the Tabalog case uh, on the podcast before. Remind us about uh, that case and uh, and why it was important uh, in the context of Japanese antitrust. So an operator of a chain of restaurants sued the Tabelog website, which is one of the biggest uh, restaurant review sites in Japan, um, alleging that its algorithm-based review rating system was manipulated unfairly, leaving a number of his restaurants with unfairly low rating scores. The restaurant chain alleged that there was uh, discriminatory treatment of trade terms and abusive superior bargaining position, which are both against um, antitrust law in Japan. And so the restaurant actually brought the complaint to the regulator on multiple occasions, uh, we have heard, but the JFTC actually never officially took on the case. Um, Furia told us that uh, there's a really high bar for the commission to officially launch an investigation, especially for issues like the one surrounding Tabelog, where, you know, we're talking about algorithms, we're talking about how that works and antitrust issues of whether it's actually competitive, whether it actually aids competition or hinders it. And so with the high bar for the JFTC to officially open a case, 
um, you know, going straight to the courts is one option for companies. But the JFTC actually, with this case under Furia's name, submitted its opinion to the court under the court's request. Furia has always said that he welcomed companies taking their grievances straight to the courts to make you know, the Anti-Monopoly Act worked for them. And uh, he further explained in our interview that in cases like the digital markets, where investigation itself is hard to launch, you know, it's a speedy way to solve a conflict that can, you know, take take years if they were to go through JFTC investigations and all the all the whole yard. All right. So the Tabalog issue brings us to the the broader issue of tech companies and all of the competition issues that are related to those tech companies. Now, Sachiko. What has been Furuya's approach until now and what's on the horizon? I think I should first explain that the Japanese government was aware uh, that the digital market regulation involves not only competition but also privacy, consumer protection issues. Therefore, uh, some central uh, government agency is necessary. Therefore, a headquarters for digital market competition was established in 2019 at the Cabinet Secretariat. And now this organization uh, takes leadership to make a, a digital policy. Uh, so that's in the background. And JFTC has been active conducting many market surveys in the digital market, a series of smartphone surveys, digital advertisement, uh, cloud services, and now they are conducting mobile operating system and app di- distribution market survey. Uh, this is to partly to assist the cabinet secretary's digital market unit. And uh, uh, also, in Japanese uh, approach to digital competition regulation has, I think, two characteristics. One is JFTC likes to use the abuse of superior bargaining position a type of unfair trade practice. And the second is that the GFTC has not imposed any antitrust fines or issued cease and desist orders against global tech companies. In terms of uh, abuse of superior bargaining position, Amazon Japan solved its uh, investigation by GFTC in 2020 by refunding 2 billion yen, which is about $14 million, to 1,400 suppliers. And this amount is quite high compared with uh, other antitrust fines against, say, uh, counters of bit rigging. So uh, this was done, uh, according to GFTC, uh, to prioritize speedier restoration and also, this kind of uh, refunding uh, is something that could not have been done by antitrust uh, fine uh, rules, such as rules. Apple uh, resolved its investigation into app uh, payment system last year by opening up so-called reader apps uh, to consume music and uh, uh, books and other, uh, other things. But again... This didn't involve any legal action. Therefore, there's a criticism that the JFT's digital approach is too soft and its policy-making power was uh, sidelined to the Cabinet Secretariat. As well as um, 
uh, Ministry of uh, Economy, Trade, and Industry, which is now implementing the Japanese version of a platform to business uh, uh, regulation. However, Furuya's main message to our uh, exclusive interview is that it's nonsense to say that the JFTC is sidelined. JFTC is actually playing the central role in policy making, rule making in the digital field. He said there's been a, a discussion going on uh, led by the cabinet secretariat that we may need to introduce ex ante regulations to address the competition issues discovered in the mobile ecosystem in which Google and Apple may be entrenching their market power through their rule-making abilities, etc. So if you think that the JFTC has become a dog which doesn't bark, you are wrong. He said he wants the JFTC to become a dog which barks and bites. <laughs> Bucks and bites at the same time. That's a multitasking watchdog right there. But uh, Sachiko Toko, thank you so much for the special report. It's a really great summary of all of the issues on the horizon in Japan. And thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Bye. Sachiko Sakamaki and Toko Sekiguchi are MLEX reporters based in Tokyo, and their special report, based around their extended interview with Kazuyuki Furuya, is ready for you to download. Just head for the MLEX website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's mlexmarketinsight.com, and you'll be able to click on the link to the special report at the home page. As for this humble podcast, just a reminder that you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review us, it helps us attract more listeners. And this coming Friday, we plan to be back in your feed to discuss the vexed issue of overlapping board members and the US Department of Justice's moves to ensure that board overlaps don't bring with them a lessening of competition. It's likely to be a fascinating conversation. I hope you can join me in just a few days' time. The MLEX podcast is produced and presented by me, James Paniki. It's uploaded every week by our unrivaled marketing team in London, and our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From me and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now.